Messi thing. Anything else on the Messi front, Chris, before we move on? No, I'm done. I'm done. I'm falling out. I told you, I never want to bring this guy's name up again. I don't know, man. This Messi thing is just a freaking mess. What a disaster. I don't want to hear this name ever again until it's official. But the Welcome to episode number one of the Batter Soccer Fans. I am your host, mm-hmm. Daniel Granada. Next to me right here, over here, oh, my yeah, bad. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. We got uh, yeah. Ben Borges, and below us, we got my man, Chris Duran. What uh, up, what up? Good, good. You know, talking about soccer, I mean, it's uh, it's a new world for me, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, let's, you know, I'd like to get into it. It's- the issue with Inter-Miami, in a way, for me, was, like, the hype, like, the salesmanship that David Beckham had in the press conferences, right? Like, oh, we're going to get Messi, Ronaldo. All you got was Blaze Matuti and and Igor. Both You're gonna get somebody like Messi next year. 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 No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Chris, the herons are back for the hundredth time. How are you doing, sir? I'm just here looking like a narc with my hat forward, but it's okay. We're here <laughs> getting ready for Wednesday. That's how I wear my hats. What's wrong with you? What's you're looking like a narc forward? is what you're looking like. <laughs> Careful with selling doobies around this guy. All right. Well, well, welcome, everybody, to episode number 100 of the Battered Herons podcast. As always, I am your host, Daniel Granada, and alongside me is Mr. KBD, and we got a jam-packed show for you. We are going to preview the upcoming Wednesday game against Toronto FC, and then we are also going to have a special guest or two or three join us in in a little bit after we get them previewing the show. But before we do, Chris, 100 episodes in, 100 conversations about soccer. As you saw, we just put up a little clip from episode number one. Chris was green. He was he was fresh out the womb into the soccer world. How are you feeling when the beautiful sport of football, 100 episodes in, sir? I enjoy, I enjoy talking football now. more. I mean, you could tell. I'm like, uh, it is what it is oh, here. Yeah. I'm talking about football. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I know. I mean, you I really very hated excited. <laughs> I, I know. But now I'm talking. Now I'm saying stuff like pitch. Final third. There you go. I mean, I've there grown. Go. I've grown, guys. Come on. I know. hundred episodes in. I thought. Look, I give you all the props in the world. I appreciate. I appreciate yeah, you man. jumping on a limb and starting to do this show with me. Look, look how far we've come in a, in a little over a year. So awesome. Yes. We appreciate you. Do I get a free shirt? I don't know. Uh, well, you know, now that you brought that up, I had the the wheel of names up, and um, you know what? Not as much people as I wanted participated in the giveaway so what i'm gonna do is if you participated in the giveaway up until nine o'clock i'm giving you a free shirt so Ah! everybody that participated in the giveaway boom you get a free shirt don't even worry about the the wheel all right it wasn't as many people as i wanted but it was enough where i feel like if you supported us and you gave took the time to participate i want to thank you for kind of supporting us all the way through these hundred episodes and uh if you put your, the picture up there and you participated in the giveaway, congratulations. I'm going to DM you, each one of you guys, privately tomorrow morning, get your information, size, and I'll have those shipped out for you guys this week. So congrats on that. The giveaway goes to everybody that participated. We got a game on Wednesday, right? So it's episode 100, but we can't gas back too much, right? We got to get into the nitty-gritty. The reason people actually come in here and listen to us talk. Enter Miami. So... We have 
an opponent. We have Toronto FC coming to Drive Pink Stadium. And, I mean, I don't know if I hear people saying, oh, maybe Messi won't play. I think he's going to play. If he's going to miss a game, it's going to be that Orlando game. But we're going to get into that a little later. So we have Toronto FC coming through. And Toronto has now taken the reins of, are they worse than the entire league or just the conference? Uh, that's actually a great question. And I was looking at that. They're for sure the worst in the Eastern Conference. Oh, no, for sure. As far in the, in the as, Eastern yeah. As far as in the league, they are actually tied for the worst with Colorado. They are tied, literally. Four wins, 10 losses, both of them. 22 points apiece. So it is well, a tie for the worst. We wanted to have our guy Italy Jack come on to help preview the game. More than anything, because we wanted to kind of just have a, a revisit of his toast take. Because yes. Italy Jet is the one that had that famous toast take where he chose number six, which was basically ashes kind of compressed into a little yeah. square. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. he said he couldn't do it. But he did do us a solid. He did reach out to somebody that lives in Toronto, is a Toronto FC supporter. And because, Chris, you do such a better job of pronouncing his sexy name than I do, I want you to bring in our guest. Listen, so none other than Toronto sports guy, a.k.a. he goes by the name of Stavros Greer. Welcome Stavros. to the show, my friend. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yes. What's going on, Stavros? Things, well, personally, things are going good. For Toronto FC, things are going terribly. <laughs> well, I like good to hear for us. Because, That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's good for us. So I guess we'll get straight into the nitty gritty. Why do you guys suck? <laughs> oh man so many reasons why we suck right now <laughs> like if you if you want the short version um we have had the same three holes basically in our roster for the past three years uh okay. and every year is a rotation of trying to fix the same problem and not fixing it we haven't had a proper striker since josie altador kind of fell off in the beginning of 2019 it's been a constant rotation trying to fix that. That's one hole. Uh, we haven't had a left back in the longest time. I actually don't even remember the last time we had a proper left back throughout the whole season. We've played both Oro and Lorea and Laron side there over the past couple of years. We've played, we had Christian. So Messi's going to eat whole, on the right side, huh? Oh, Messi is going to eat on the right side. We have, uh, right. right now, we have Raul Petretta playing there. It's bad. And worst of all, right now, we are back to, if people remember 2018 Toronto FC, we are back to Michael Bradley playing center back. Center back. Mm -hmm. Yes. So <laughs> going up against Lionel Messi, there is a high chance that we are going to have Michael Bradley playing center back. I, that sounds exciting to me. I don't know. Um, so Toronto... Michael Bradley, well, for one, I'm surprised that he's still playing. And then that's just not, no jokes aside. I, I, I didn't think he was going to play this long. Um, but whatever happened with his dad? So, yes, the, the Bob Bradley situation. That was a, uh, he was the GM and coach when he got brought in. That was like the big thing of bringing in Bob Bradley and Michael Bradley's dad, obviously, the whole connection there. He just, Again, like never brought in the right guys 
like to fix up holes that he wanted to fix. He brought in like his players from his past like positions. He brought in Diamande to fill in the gap at striker just for Diamande to immediately get hurt early on the season. And so like his player acquisition uh, part of the role wasn't that great. And then on top of that, he just was not getting along with Insigne and Bernadeschi. We brought in two, I guess, big ego, big name designated players. And Bob Bradley had no idea how to deal with them. And like, there were multiple reports at a training that Insigne and Bernadeschi had gone into arguments with Bob Bradley. There were, I think a couple games where they didn't start, not because they weren't hurt, but because Bob Bradley just refused to start them. It, it was just a complete disaster. And eventually the club, picked the designated players over the coach and sent them packing. Do the designated players still hate each other? Because I know Bernadeschi and uh, and Insigne didn't like each other. So that is like completely up in the air, even on like TFC fans. Like we don't actually know what the proper deal is there because supposedly their families are like vacationing with each other recently. So like apparently okay. that was a bad rumor and they're not on or maybe like- their families just don't hate each <laughs> other. They hate each other. Yeah, that's maybe their families are like, okay, I'll take. I'll... No, no. Yeah, maybe. So like, they might not like each other. They might be fine, and that was just a bad rumor on the pitch. There's no massive chemistry, if that's a night an indicator. So like, right now it seems like they're tolerating each other, but who really knows? It doesn't seem like everything's happy go lucky with those two, though. Well, and it's a weird it's a weird sort of conundrum looking at the two Italians, right? Because they both play on individual sides. It doesn't seem like they sort of link up with each other very often. But I know, and I, could, I don't know if I could speak for you, Danny, but I remember when they first got uh, Bernadeschi and, and Insigne, I was trembling in my in my. Yeah, in my I thought boots. they were going to be lethal. I thought they were going to be lethal. And at some point, they did look like they were lethal, but I mean, that's, it just all crumbled. So... There has to be something there where they're both just not sinking well in terms of uh, as teammates. But I really don't see them like physically linking up with each other on the field anyway. So maybe it's a them thing. Maybe it's a them with their players thing. Have you seen anything that screams that they don't get along with their other with their other teammates? Or is it just Bernadeschi versus Insigne and everybody else just kind of play soccer with these guys? Well, supposedly there was a uh, there was an argument in training where like Insigne didn't want to do runs with DeAndre Kerr at one point, and DeAndre Kerr is our young striker right now who's been playing yeah. up top. But on the pitch, like they've been getting, they've been playing better since they started playing Kerr regularly in striker. I think like the the biggest outstanding issue with uh, Insigne and Bernadeschi uh, for me has just been we have not given them a striker like we haven't even given them an MLS capable striker the entire time they've been at TFC let alone like a striker of the quality that they're used to playing with like they're both like they're good players but they're also like you know cross the ball in to and like have a striker who like can create space for them or get make runs that they can like get the ball into they just haven't had that so they get the ball out on the wing and then you know they get an injured half fit CJ Sapong or an injured half fit Diamande or like some guy who's not capable to be, even be playing in MLS who they're you know, yeah. trying to get the ball into. So I think like if we have 
we just never have seen them in MLS with a competent striker in Major League Soccer. And I think that's just part of the experiment that will help it succeed if that ever happens. No, and I, I just I, no, I, I was just going to touch up on this comment uh, by Diego real quickly because he's asking he's a newer fan wants to know if it's possible that Montreal, your, your brethren from the north, uh, if they can be able to fall off if we go to the playoffs. Most definitely. Montreal is a team that we're hoping can be able to fall off yeah, their schedule in looks the immediate rough. future. Yeah. I'm going to create so go a ahead, graphic then. to kind of keep track of everything. I'm going to drop that tomorrow. Um, so we have uh, a lot of viewers that are new to the MLS, obviously. And so every time we have an, an, a, a podcaster from the opposing team, we kind of like to ask, is there anybody that the new MLS viewer should be looking out for as a, somebody that, you know, this guy is, is unknown, but you should watch him because he might become somebody. Do you have anybody like that on the squad? Well, TFC right now in the starting, uh, well, recently starting, guys who are you know, looking good. DeAndre Kerr is a like 20-year-old 20, 20 striker. He's basically defaulted as the striker role for TFC this season as the only guy who's showing any like any sense of belonging in MLS this season at the striker role. I mean, yeah. he's got five goals this season, but he looks like a guy who potentially you know, could become a decent striker in major league soccer. And also we have uh, a young right back, Kobe Franklin. He uh, was an Academy kid who they signed this season. He looks like he has potential to possibly be something. He's had a couple, like a couple of good games this season, two games ago. He was just like absolutely fantastic. I think he had two assists in one game and it, like he just had a player of the match performance basically out of nowhere. And he's a youngster too. That I think could have massive potential for TFC going forward. Nice. All right. So looking forward to Wednesday's game. Uh, I know you said that your left back is non-existent, so Messi should eat there. But as far as strengths and weaknesses, if you were going to go up to Tata Martino, our, our manager, and tell him, hey, I'm going to put money on you, and I'm going to give you the inside scoop. This is how you beat Toronto. How, what would you tell him? What is the weakness? What, is, what, what could Miami take advantage of to get this W? Crossing balls in to whatever the guy Michael Bradley is guarding if Michael Bradley is playing center back. <laughs> um, I don't know if you watched so, so, our... So uh, Campana if, has to play. Yeah. Yeah, if you watched our... Uh, if anyone saw the highlights from our most recent game against Vancouver, they had a two-on-four rush. The winning goal was a like two forwards going forward towards our four defenders, and the guy just basically did a light chip over to near Michael Bradley and the striker just ran in and headed it. Like it was a ball that Michael Bradley should have had the positioning on, should have had the, uh, should have had the ball first. Nope. Like one striker running in on two defenders with a weak cross ends up in the back of our net because he's not a center back. He can't defend that. And yeah, overall cross in towards Michael Bradley and just uh, expose the midfield too. Like Jonathan Azorio slower than he used to be. Uh, along, our other midfielder is uh, Alonzo Coelho. He's you know a kind of promising young kid, but he's young. And then we have Franco Ibarra who doesn't want to be here. So just like I'm sure Busquets <laughs> right. from Atlanta. That midfield. Yeah. yeah, we have Ben from Atlanta and he had that famous I don't want to go to the worst team, don't send me to the worst team quote mm, when he was yeah. loaned out to us. So yeah, that's a, that's a midfield three that I think like Busquets can just tear apart. So we got Busquets tearing apart the middle, Messi tearing apart the right side, 
and Campana tearing up headers when they get crossed in. So I'm feeling pretty good about Wednesday. So I, I guess I'll go straight to the predictions. I'm going to go straight to you, Stavros. Stavros, Stavros, what is your prediction for Stavros? I'm sorry. I know. I don't want to butcher your sexy name. Come on. Stavros. Come on. All right. So what is your prediction for Wednesday's game, Miami-Toronto? Has Messi had a hat trick yet for Miami? Not yet. It's going to be Messi's first hat trick for Miami. It's going to be like I four or five one. I could easily see. This is a Toronto team that is like wow. primed to be destroyed. Like I am... I am not going to be a. I'm not going to like hype up my guys and say no. They they can do it. This is a Toronto FC team that is in prime position to be torn apart. Well, I don't know about being torn apart, but one thing for sure is you guys are yet to win a road game this year. I think you've only drawn once or twice. So you guys generally and, are not very good on the road. Yeah. And they've had four red cards so far this season, so they're blowing out knees and backs all over the place. <laughs> so. So I, I did feel confident going into this game as is. Um, hearing you talk about the weaknesses makes me feel a little even, a little better. Um, Chris, what do you think about Wednesday's game? Mira, Senor Star, uh, Stalvos, this is how it's going to go down. It's going to be five to one. And the only reason I give the one is because one of the Italians can be able to put it in the back of the net, Danny. I think it's going to be... A fun game. By the way, my opinion, Danny, I don't think uh, that Messi is going to be playing or at least starting. I think that he might come off the bench, but I don't think that he's going to be starting because what is it? Three games in like eight days. It's it's like three games. It's it's brutal. It's definitely brutal. So like, yeah, uh, no, I I mean, I do. Do I see him playing the whole game? I don't. I do see him coming off the bench. Um, but I, I think it's going to be five when it's going to be a slobber knocker in the words of Jim Ross. You know, I, I think I do see him starting. I think I see him going to 490 and then he's going to have a full week off because the MLS didn't reschedule that Miami Orlando game on Sunday like they did for Orlando last year. Uh, I think that Miami is going to give him a full week's rest to rest up for that U.S. Open Cup final. And I think he won't play the Orlando game, but I do see him playing a 490 on Wednesday. But regardless... From everything Stavros said and from what recent history shows us that they don't win on the road, I think that this is a must yeah. win. We have to get three points here to keep our playoff chances alive because if we don't get three points here, uh, we're in trouble. All right, uh, Chris, do you want to give Stavros the question on the way out? Yeah, no, and, and this is the thing. For future guests that come on, like I really – it sucks to give this question because I got to give them both, Danny. I got to give them both. And first, I don't, did you say your prediction? I don't remember you saying numbers. For me? Yeah, you, Danny. Did um, you say numbers or did I just no, like mishear you? That, you mean that I give a score? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I'd say three. So you don't want to give a score? Three zero. Three zero. That's it? Yeah. What do you mean wow, that's you're, it? That's you're lot. boring. You're boring, man. <laughs> All right. So okay. we're going to get to the fun stuff, Stavros. Are you ready for this? Are you like oh, really yeah. ready? Let's, okay. Let's go. Let's go. So this is what we're doing right here. I'm going to put a picture up. And you need to make some tough life decisions here, okay? <laughs> so you got to pick one of the pieces of steak and one of the pieces of toast here, all right? And I got another one for you right after this. So let's just fire it off. Which one are you going with? Oh, yeah. Medium rare guy. Number two on the steak and then four on the toast. 
okay, okay. All right. So you weren't you weren't as bad as uh <laughs> you weren't Jet. as bad as Italy Jet picking six and ashes, right? Oh, so yeah. this is the the new one that we're bringing out. If you had to cut yourself a sandwich, Stavros, which one are you going with? Diagonal cut or north and south cut? I think we all know we can't explain it, but the diagonal cut gives you more sandwich. <laughs> what? That's the truth. You know what? That is you more sandwich. That what? is the, the the greatest breakdown we've gotten so far. I'm pretty today. sure that's incorrect, but I'll go with it because it's, it, it it is the the, the right answer. Yeah, there just... has to be scientific proof on the on the internet that you it get it easier more to sandwich. eat for sure. Hey, yes. you know, there's Look, more Chris, sandwich. I can't. Chris, you're the only sociopath that cuts it north to south. Everybody does the diagonal cut. All right, Stavros, man, we really appreciate you jumping on on short notice to, to help us preview the Toronto game. You gave us high hopes, even though we felt pretty good about Wednesday already, <laughs> but you made us feel even better about it. So we appreciate you taking the time to join us and um, let everybody know where they could find you if they want to hear some, some Toronto Michael Bradley talk. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, if you want to follow my YouTube channel, it's uh, Toronto Sports Guy on YouTube and on Twitter, I guess, X now at Stavros underscore Greer, like it's on there. Uh, come check it out for if you want to hear me complain about Toronto FC or less complain about Canada soccer in general. <laughs> That's cool. and, uh, good stuff, Stavros. And, it was a pleasure, brother. Yeah, oh, and so just much, real Chris. quick, Stavros, you are number one on the list of Battered Heron's guests with the sexiest name. Number one, yes. you went straight to the top. Let's go. Joe, Joe Shaw is a close number two. Yes. All right, Stavros. Have a good one. Yeah, thank you, guys. Oh, I cut him awesome. off. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Awesome. So it's time to bring on our oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. Aw. Oh, there we go. My wife just brought out a little cake. All right, thank you, babe. Chris, well, you know, I'll blow out the candles to another thousand. Here we Thank go. You, Look at that. Look at that, guys. Oh, if you guys in the chat sweet. are not liking and subscribing just for that, like, what are you guys even <laughs> doing right now? What kind of apps are you on that you can't just take the thumb and just boom, boom, boom? Come on, guys. Don't sleep. All right. So let's bring in our next guest. Um, he was number one at one point. He is now number two sexiest name on the list of Battered Heron's uh, guests of all time. Let's bring on my main man, Joe Shaw. How the hell are you doing, sir? You are on mute, sir. Yes. <laughs> oh, don't. See, he's I'm just taking myself off after that. <laughs> what a go. way. You know what? That is exactly what Toronto is going to do on Wednesday. They're going to come out. They're going to be muted. They're going to go away. <laughs> Bing, bam, boom. I'm doing great. I'm excited to be on my favorite Inter-Miami show that I've ever been on, yes. the Battered Hair on show. To be, yes. to be fair, I think you've only been on one, so. It's true. But we'll, right. we'll take the cake anyway. <laughs> you put enough qualifiers there, you make everybody happy. <laughs> there you go. It's kind of like the giveaway today. I was like, oh, only you guys, right. everybody gets it. <laughs> you get a shirt. You get a shirt. Yeah. Yes. So how you yes. doing? So, so for those that don't know, uh, Joe Shaw is not the first time he's been. He's been with us a few times. Yep. And yes. more than anything, it's uh, he has an awesome, awesome podcast that I love to listen to. It's a Miami Fusion. His, well, I'll let you break it down. You, you do it a lot more eloquently than I do. Sure. So for the, for hello, uh, if you're seeing me for the first time, I do enjoy being on the Battered Heron show. So I'm the host of 25 for 25, the story of the Miami Fusion from those who lived it. It is a oral history 
of Major League Soccer's first ever club in Miami, the Fusion, that existed from 1998, 25 years ago, to 2001 when they culminated winning the Supporters' Shield, and then MLS contracted both the Fusion and the Tampa Bay Mutiny in order to cut costs and try and uh, keep the league afloat. And then eventually now we've got Inter-Miami, and also in their fourth year, picking up some hardware. Uh, everything yeah. comes full circle, right? And so we are, in this moment, trying to appreciate what came before, so we can also appreciate in real time what we've got right in front of us. So it's great. You can subscribe. You can go to MiamiFusionPod.com and subscribe wherever you go. Um, but yeah, I am just a, a sports history fan, a Major League Soccer fan uh, from the Dallas area who grew up going to the Cotton Bowl, watching the Burn and also watching the Fusion. And then uh, I said, hey, let's uh, preserve some history this year. So that's sort of the, the yada, yada, yada of it all. No, oh, you guys appreciate have... the yada, yada, yada. Yes, and 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 you have a, an event coming up on the sixth of October, right? My wife and I are looking hella forward to going over there. That is correct. So one of the fun things about doing this podcast, a lot of things have been happening in real time. One of which is the more and more that I've spoken to people who have shared their stories, players, staff, fans, people that were in the media that were just kind of that were also associated with the team. They've said, you know, I we never really got a chance to to have some closure to sort of say goodbye because of uh, the fact that the league moved rather swiftly to close the team and 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 move on. And so we decided, hey, let's have an official reunion event and do a live podcast recording as well. Uh, so we're going to do that on Friday, October sixth, from eight to nine thirty p.m. Eastern time at Mickey Byron's Irish Pub in Hollywood, Florida. Mark Rowe, shout out to him; he's the owner. Fantastic uh, guy, fantastic venue. We're going to have a great time. Uh, myself and then uh, somebody else uh, that I'll talk about in a moment are going to be co-hosting this live show. And we're going to bring on everybody that's there that had a history with the Fusion. We're going to bring them on to share some stories. And then after that, it's just mingling until they kick us out late into the early early hours of the morning. And Which, by the way, Joe, guys, by the way, by the way, for those of you in the chat, guys, I'm putting the invitation of the event so since there's 111 people or 110 people now, I expect 220 people there extra. Okay, guys. <laughs> That's right. Let's make it happen. One in a friend. Yeah. Right. Now, I, I know we have a couple more guests to get to, but real quick, I know uh, last time that you were on here, I was talking to you about how Pio Valderrama was my favorite player of all time. Yes. And I told you to the point where my birthday cake was a Pio Valderrama cake. Yes. And I figured that I would bring up the picture so that you guys can see that what I say on this show is true. So here you go, 10-year-old Daniel. Boom! There it is. Oh, my that. God. That yeah. actually exists? Yes. Oh my hey, man, I, I wanted that hair so bad, but, I, but I, my hair grew like a helmet. It grew straight down. You can so, see the look in your eye, Daniel. You just are like, how do I girl. get those locks? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, I've, and I've heard that one of our guests might have a funny story about Valderrama. So, yeah. Um, but yes, I, I, I was into the fusion back the, the short time they were winning, especially because Valderrama was on the team. So that's what got me into more than anything. And um, for any of the Colombians watching, uh, that was taken in Parque de Café. If anybody's from the Risaralda area, you guys know what Parque de Café is in Colombia. That's where we take the picture. So yes, awesome Val Valderrama fusion. I, I didn't wear my jersey today, but um, Sorry, I got love one the in fusion, the love the podcast. Love the nice. podcast. And, uh, and I'm glad to have you on. So without further ado, I hand it over to you, Joe. Thank you, Daniel, and thank you, Chris, for having me here. So first, I'd like to introduce a man who knows the Miami Fusion inside and out. He started his Major League Soccer career as the Director of Public Relations for the Fusion 25 years ago in 1998. He helped build the Fusion from the ground up 
literally making sure the screws were in place at the newly renovated Lockhart Stadium mere hours before ESPN, or maybe it was AS, ABC, I forget, came for the opening match against DC United. He's perhaps most well-known to listeners uh, for his story oh. of picking up Carlos Valderrama from the airport and a beat-up Toyota Corolla, and he's the he guy who popped up Miami when Lionel Messi lands. Mr. Gabe DeBoer. Gabe, welcome. Gentlemen, how are you? Congratulations. 100 episodes. This yeah, is yeah. One, you, 100. It, it, 100 it of anything is amazing. Yes, yeah, it is. It's, it's, right, I'm looking it, a little short fun. compared to everybody else, so I got to find a way to, like, Make me look at least as tall as Joe. Listen, I go. sit I sit on a pillow so that way I don't drop down so low. So that's my recommendation. You're gonna do that. So congratulations. I mean, thank everyone you. Everyone on the call, you guys for the 100 episode, Joe for that amazing 25 for 25 uh series. Who would have thought that a guy sitting in his basement in Dallas uh would bring the fusion community back together, something that hasn't been done in 25 years. So congratulations to him. I'm looking forward. It really to makes it. no sense. Yeah, it, it does make no sense. And I know there has to be an alternative motive. But we'll, <laughs> we'll figure that out one day. What's so, your uh, end game? <laughs> I just want to party in Miami. I don't I don't think that's too hard to see. I think that's the that's the goal, right? That's the, the end goal. That, and that's the pitch to get uh, everybody over here. With all those right. fourth and fifth DPs that are coming next year. I'm going to try this uh, chair raising thing. See if it works a little. So, uh, Gabe. So I mean, we could all just party together. That's right. Gabe, uh, I did before we get into the fusion and everything. I know you were part of the fusion. What did you think about the growth in South Florida soccer since then? Because I mean, it it, it took quite the hit, but I know that you run South Florida uh PR communications with South, with South America, I believe it is, right? Yeah, I I uh I uh work with MLS communication in the international division. So we do yes. US Hispanic all of Spanish, uh, not just Spanish-speaking countries. We deal with the whole world. It's the international division. You know, England, Germany, like Italy, Portugal. et cetera, all those countries. And then uh, those of us who work in international also work on all the Soccer United marketing properties. So we do the Mexican national team. Uh, we've done Barcelona tours, the Manchester United tours. We've done Copa America, the Gold Cup. Uh, we, we got our, you know, we, we're spread uh, pretty good in the soccer universe here, uh, which is great for me because not only am I working the domestic league, but I really get to be part of the global soccer community and work international events. Now, um, what did you, I mean, I, I know that you don't have any necessarily any integral workings with it, but what were your thoughts when you saw that Messi was coming over here? I, I, I didn't believe it till I saw him basically getting off the charter plane that famous video we all saw on, yeah. on twitter i really you know thought that it was a long shot i i thought that there were so many um obstacles for it not to happen uh but i learned my lesson and the lesson is never underestimate the mass brothers and never underestimate david beckham and i told him that i told um jorge when i saw him the first time after they contracted messi i'm like you did it you, you, you did it. You dreamed huge and you did something that few thought could be done. And I still, even till today, when I'm watching a game and I see him running around with that pink uniform, it's still hard to believe that this is a reality right now. It's, it's just unbelievable. Uh, and I couldn't be happier for, you know, for the team, for the league, for the fans. I think it's uh, one of those moments. In my opinion, there's three moments in the league that completely changed there was a before and an after. To me, the first one is the arrival of Don Garber. I don't think okay. 
Don Garber gets enough credit for what he did. But I would tell you that if it wasn't for Don Garber, none of us would be on this call right now. And, and if you want another episode, we can get more into it. The second one is David Beckham's arrival and, and um, designated player rule. And Messi coming is the third one. Because when Messi comes, it basically says to the world, hey, anybody could end up here at Major League yeah. Soccer. And, um, and and that's a huge difference. So, yeah, those to, to me, those are the three uh, transcending moments. If there's a fourth, you, it's Joe starting his po a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> are you allowed to admit that you're an Inter Miami fan? No, I'm not. Okay. okay but okay. listen, you do okay. the math. I, I I've been living hey, in Miami hey, my whole hey, life. I got you. I got you. I take my kid <laughs> to the games. My kid has jerseys. My wife has jerseys. But, you, but, but you're impartial. I got you. I got you. I have, to be, I got I have you. to be neutral. You'll never see me unless yeah. Inter Miami's playing. Um, say a friendly against Barcelona, or they're playing right. maybe a Mexican or USL team. side. Yeah, you'll never see me wearing Inter Miami gear. I did wear a pink jersey when I went to the World Cup, and you and I was Argen I'm Argentine, and it was Argentina, okay. Mexico. So it was a dilemma for me because I do the Mexican national team tour, but I'm Argentine. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to come out on TV one shirt or the other, so I put on the pink of Miami figure that was neutral enough. That was before um, they signed Messi. But uh, mm -hmm. you do the math. I, no, no, I, I, I'm a math guy. I got it. I, I did the work already. So um, that's awesome. Now, I, I, I had a couple people here on the on the comments asking, and I figure I'll bring it up now since everybody's asking. We have a lot of viewers that are from other countries, so they're, they're kind of uh, confused sometimes with what goes on with MLS. And a lot of them are asking, why didn't Messi play on Saturday? Now, there hasn't really been an official reason. I'm going to throw out there that I think it was turf. Do you think turf is going to be an issue here? Um, well, first of all, uh, Tata said that it was a coach's decision. Basically, okay. he's he's fatigued. He's been flying. Yeah. Not just we have to remember when you play in MLS, it's not like Europe where you take or England where you take an hour and a half train and you're at your next destination. You're flying yeah. cross country to LAFC, then you're coming all the way back. Then he had to fly to Argentina. Then he went to Bolivia. And at some point, you got to say enough. I could tell you that I worked. As media officer for Leagues Cup, the first five games that Messi participated, the first Ooh, five wow. out of seven games. And I was beat. I couldn't function. I was yeah. so tired. I didn't know where I was sometimes. You wake up in the middle of the night, you know, and you don't know what, you know, what city you're in. So I can't even imagine doing the same travel and at the same time having to play 90 minutes. So I, I can see, you know, where he says these players are just fatigued. They need a break. But like right. everyone else, I am hoping. Uh, to see him play on Wednesday because it's a big game. You guys were talking about it earlier. It's it's as much of a must-win as you're going to get for a regular season game. They they need to get this one after what happened in Atlanta, and at the same time they got to get the team sort of ready for the big the final. Open Cup final. Yep. And, and you're also discounting the fact that he has to walk around with a bodyguard that looks like a slimmer version of Gonzalo Higuain, right? <laughs> you know, he's, he seems like a sweet guy. I've actually met him. The first thing you want, when you get to work with these folks at this level, these players, um, first thing you want to do is meet the bodyguard because you want to yeah. make sure that you don't get a stiff arm on the way to you're doing getting your job. tackled. So yes. I introduced myself. I told him who I was. You know, he didn't. He wasn't that <laughs> impressed. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, he's an impressive guy. I've seen. You know, they have Stay video compilations of him. Fifteen minutes of him doing his job. It's amazing. Yeah, Messi Listen, didn't my daughter, play. Go ahead. My daughter thinks that he. My daughter thinks that Messi is a hologram. That's what she <laughs> thinks, which is crazy. Because how can you even say that about one of the greatest players of of all time? But. Well, you know, he, he's gotten pretty famous during that KC game where Messi didn't play. People were stopping him to take pictures. 
Yes. People were taking pictures with this guy. I was like, Jesus Christ. I mean, but that's, 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 cool. that's the world of Messi. It's not just that Messi's famous. It's that everyone in the stratosphere becomes famous. I've gotten more interview requests, podcast requests from all over the world since Messi arrived than I probably did in the past uh, 25 years of being involved in Major League Soccer. And not only that, it's it's literally celebrities that come across to them. They get more views on their social media channels. Uh, it's the um, opponents. And look at what's happened to guys like uh, Benji Kramaski, right? All of a sudden, he went from an 18-year-old kid from Kiba Skane to playing on the U.S. national team. Would that have happened without him being you know, alongside Messi? I am not sure, but it certainly didn't hurt him. Uh, and look at other guys, Taylor and other guys who have just blossomed. Uh, uh, Leo, all these guys are just playing out of their minds. Um, and it's that messy influence. I, I agree. Joe, I, I've been saying for uh, a month or so now, everybody keeps saying Drake Callender has to go overseas. I'm saying I don't see why. Because if he goes overseas, just like um, oh, I just blanked on his name. Uh, this kid from uh, New England Revolution that just went to Matt, Tur Matt Turner. Matt Turner, thank you. Matt Turner, I just blanked. Uh, Matt Turner went over there, didn't start a game for Arsenal. He ended up having to switch teams. I feel like Drake's getting a lot more exposure now with everybody globally watching and playing alongside Messi, and he's getting these opportunities to play with the U.S. men's national team, and he's going to get a lot more opportunities to be seen globally. I think he stays here for at least as long as Messi's here. Joe, do you agree or do you think that maybe he should take that move overseas? Well, I think there's two schools of thought, right? So one, you want to you want to strike while your stock is super high and you want to get yes. a huge return on your investment. However, uh, we're in a new era. Inter Miami is 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 being talked about in in the wider areas. Like what if they were in the you know Copa Libertadores? What does that even look like? What type of environment would that look like for somebody like Drake? Right. I mean, that's. And then the fact that you are in MLS and you've got the most eyeballs on you and there's going to be tournaments like the Copa America next year, right? That's here in the U.S. And then the Club World Cup, who's to say where that's going to happen in a couple of years, right? There's a lot of opportunities. I, I think <clears throat> I think Drake's going to do what's best for him. But of I course. do, I would be, um, uh, it'd be hard for me to see him leaving right now um, with everything that's going on. There's a train of thought that it's because of the competition because he won't get... Um he won't get opportunities with the U.S. men's national team because the competition that he's facing isn't great enough. But my counter argument is if he's not playing when he goes to, let's say, England, and instead he is playing in Copa Libertadores, you can't tell me that he's not playing against good competition. If he's playing international soccer and instead of being on the bench over there in the EPL or playing in the, in, you know, the, the Champions Tournament or whatever, the whatever FA Cup and all those other... I, I honestly believe that he'll stay here. And I think that players want to play with Messi as long as he's around. And, and that's just what I've always thought. Yep. All right. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry, Gabe, you were going to say something? No, I was just listening. Okay. It's, uh, okay, okay. it's great that I didn't have to answer the question. You guys took it. <laughs> that's good. You know, otherwise, you put me on the spot. I, I will tell you, um, a lot of times we think only of the sporting aspect of moving overseas, not moving overseas, coming here, coming there. But there's also family questions and maybe there's an aspiration. Look, you know, maybe he wants that experience where you live and, you know, you know, South Florida is very kind of rural. We don't sort of work where you live, but maybe he wants that experience where he walks down and everybody knows you and you walk to the corner cafe and then you walk to the stadium and to him, you know, that might be, who knows? So everyone yeah. has, every athlete is a world within themselves. And they have to make that decision. You know, do I stay here, continue to start, uh, play with Messi? Do I take my chances 
And it, it's such a personal decision. And you never want to get in the way of an athlete fulfilling their dream or, you know, being able to cash in on their success. But Messi has changed the game. I do believe that there's players around the world who are now considering playing in Miami or playing in Major League Soccer because Messi is here. I can also tell you another big difference maker has been the arrival of Apple TV. Because Apple sure. TV means that you are going to be seen in over 100 countries, no matter what. Name five other leagues in the world that are shown consistently, right, in, in more than 100 countries. It's, and, and that's the thing. Now MLS has an incredible, uh, uh, in Spanish we say vitrina, right? It's a, mm -hmm. it's a storefront. And you can be seen everywhere. For me, it was amazing. I was in Mexico two weeks ago. I plugged up my Roku to the hotel TV. I put on Apple TV. And I was able to watch my MLS games just like I was home. There was no blockage. Uh, no nothing. It was great. And I did the same thing when I was down in Argentina. And I did the same thing when I was uh, in, in Europe. And I think it's a wonderful thing. And not only that, but let's say you're a player from overseas. You don't want to disappear in the soccer world because you want to play for a league that doesn't have that exposure or you don't want to disappear from your friends and family and being on Apple TV, every single game gives a chance for everyone who wants to see you to see you. So I, I think 100%. that's a game changer also. So and I, I agree 100%. And I, I don't want to beat off the, the, the path here, Danny, but I, I want to put some pressure on Gabe. All right. So get, get, a, get, a, get a response loaded up. All right. Uh, no, go ahead, Danny. Sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So saying, uh, take Ed it easy Bar on Gabe. Ed Bartra is here chiming in in the comments. The MLS should implement goal line and offside tech. So my question, Gabe, is when are we going to have lasers and robots running the show for soccer games? <laughs> that is when a is great. That? that is a great question. I mean, in, in American football, we still got guys running around with chains to see if there's first downs or not, Did right? You see that so like, last night at the Dolphins game? I saw that. That they, I think, it was a chain call, and then they challenged the chain. I'm like, how do you challenge a chain? The chain is the official thing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. and coaches are keeping the the red the red uh, handkerchiefs and socks. socks. Like, I mean, these guys are out of control. So, uh, Gabe, when are we going to see lasers and robots referee the game in the future? Uh, are we talking like in the next couple months or what? Uh, I will say this. Um, if you look at historically, Major League Soccer has been a pioneer of many of the things I see now around the world. As a matter of fact, MLS was a testing ground for VAR before there was VAR. We would see it in um, the lower division games. Then we would see it in test games. And there were hundreds of test games in Major League Soccer before it actually went live. So in, in the spirit of the fact that MLS is always ahead of the game, um, I would think that whatever technology is out there, MLS will always be one of the first uh, to adapt. I can also tell you we've done things that we've gotten in trouble with FIFA because they weren't allowed. For example, a few All-Star games ago, if you remember, we put a camera on a referee. You remember that? If oh, you haven't yes. seen footage on YouTube. It's you weren't supposed to do that? No, no, you're not allowed oh. to do that. Oh, that at, least, I, at least not without permission. So after mm. uh, the folks at FIFA competition saw that, they weren't thrilled with us. But the bottom line is that we're looking – we're willing to experiment. Another time that this happened was when we went to the bubble in Orlando and I had a, I was one of the few people that actually got to work almost every game as the media officer that they actually put microphones in the middle of the field on the grass so you could hear what's happening. And if you remember, they put those big green screens. So when you're watching on TV, uh, there were four different fields. You couldn't tell the difference because, because outside of the rectangle, it all looked the same. So this was technology that MLS experimented with and brought to the world 
in order to get some of the things that we're seeing now. And then you saw the same technology when Real Madrid was redoing their stadium. Remember, you would yep. see it on one of the sides, some of that digital technology. So, you know, credit to, to the folks at the league office who, who are not afraid to innovate and do new things. And by the way, um, when you the last World Cup, a good percentage of the folks who were running the VAR were folks who were coming from uh, Pro, which is the officiating nice. system here in um, U.S. and Canada. And let me uh, tell you, and and I know Joe, you can appreciate this, especially from the Fusion days. The moment we the, we, that we got robots and lasers on the field, what an improvement for sure. <laughs> what does that uh, do with the Fusion? Uh, well, because we're coming a long way from the Fusion days, even from before then. I mean, we're coming a long way just having Messi on the pitch. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Fair. I'll give you that one, Danny. Go isn't ahead. that the beauty of Isn't that the beauty of our sport here in the in North America and uh, MLS? That you know, sometimes other leagues it takes generations for things to change and become different. We see change week over week. You know, one day yeah. you got Messi, and then you got Busquets, and then you got Jordi Alba, and all of a sudden four of our guys are going off to national team duty, and we're fighting for two trophies. And if you would have told me three, four months ago this was going to happen, I would have said like, "Oh, come on." You know? No, no, yeah. no, I know it was so, yeah. it, it, it's, it's crazy. Uh, all right, so we, we do have uh, one more guest to get to, but I, I do want to ask you, Gabe, before I bring in the next guest, I do want to ask you one question. Uh, the Valderrama story could you tell everybody the Valderrama story because it's one of my favorite stories from the fusion show, and I would love if you could just share it with our audience. The airport story, yes, yes sir, because <laughs> there's a bunch of Valderrama stories. Oh, right? I know you guys have to check out the podcast, so many good stories from back in the fusion days. And I'm, I'm fortunate to still be friends with uh, Biba and his wife. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys know, but he's actually a South Florida resident now. Yes. Uh, okay. Lives in Broward. So I'm going to try my hardest, Joe, to bring him over to the reunion if it's possible. I'm, I'm waiting for the right time to ask. You know, I'm thinking like 10 days out is the right thing. Um, so Valderrama, uh, it was probably two, three weeks after I started working at the Fusion 1998. And... I, uh, I, at the time I was driving a BMW Z3, which is like a two seat convertible, the one that James Bond had. And this was my way of being cool, you know, in front of players, which didn't work at all, by the way, I was probably <laughs> the nerdiest guy in the organization. Um, so it was like 12 o'clock right before lunch. And the GM at the time, Leo Stiltano comes up to me and says, Hey, I need you to go pick up Valderrama and his wife from Fort Lauderdale International Airport. I'm like, you want me to pick him up? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, my car's not available. I have a meeting. It's in the shop. I don't know what it was. You need to go get him. I'm like, but Leo, I only have a two-seater. I can't pick up, you know, a guy and his wife. This is literally them coming to Miami Fusion for the first time. Their first welcome. Now, let me just frame this with, You've seen other player welcomes at airports before nowadays in this modern era. Like I helped yeah. Orlando with a Kaka arrival that 300 fans, they closed off a terminal. There was, uh, you know, music and drums, supporters. They wait with them with a big stretch limo. That's sort of the expectations nowadays when you have a big player arriving in market. But this is 1998, another world. And I'm told, go pick up Valderrama. The GM's car is not available. So I start asking around, but it's like lunchtime. There's nobody around. Finally, one of our interns, um, she says to me, look, you can use my car if you want. She had like a beat up four door Toyota Corolla, but it's a car. This is before uh, Uber or anything like that. Right, so, right, right. You know, and you couldn't just kind of call and say, hey, I need a car right now. So I don't know, that's what we got. 
So her and I go down to, uh, down to the airport, and this is before 9-11. So we park the car and we go to the gate. Back then, you could actually go to the gate. And yes. Valderrama comes off, easy to recognize. I shake his hand. Hello, Piva. How are you? I meet his wife. Oh, he has his entire family in tow, like two or three <laughs> kids, right? And we go downstairs, and there's luggage for the entire family. Now, I got to squeeze everybody into a beat-up old Toyota Corolla. So there we are. I believe we ended up putting luggage, like the two of them, plus the two kids sitting on their laps, luggage in the trunk, luggage on top of them, luggage on top of me. And that's how we drove from Fort Lauderdale to Commercial Boulevard and brought him for the first time ever, because we wanted to make a good impression, <laughs> to the <laughs> Miami Fusion offices. And uh, yeah, that, uh, that's how it happened. Needless to say, we've come a long way, South Florida, as far as South Florida soccer goes. And, Can you imagine uh, if somebody I, says Messi's arriving at Miami International? Go pick him up. Somebody call in the Toyota Corolla. Beat up Toyota go, Corolla. And go, Antonella, you put Thiago on your lap. Mateo yeah. sits next to him. Oh, different, <laughs> a different world. You know, it was, uh, different time. It, it was very, very lean. I think you could, you could fit the entire Miami Fusion office. Everybody, GM, coaches, sales, PR, and everything. You could fit him into, might be one of the large meeting rooms or conference rooms now at the... Um, at the training center, which in case yeah. you forgot, our first training sessions were at high school fields or neighborhood rec fields. Uh, the very first one was at a neighborhood, like, you know, one of those places where they play, uh, where they play, um, you know, community soccer in Cooper city, the very, very first time we train in the afternoon. So yeah, we've gone from that to just about every team in the league. Every team in the league has multi-million dollar training, uh, facilities and they all have you know academies and it's for me to see at firsthand what's happened in the past 25 years is big leaps danny and i forget what episode it was but but joe and and one of his guests gave went over a story about roy hudson going and talking in high schools you just guys got just got to check out the show it's it's awesome so many funny stories such a good time i but joe i'm gonna let you introduce our next guest uh well well Gabe, you're going to stick around, right? It's up to you guys. Oh, yeah. Ooh, we'd love to see you stick around. All right. So go <laughs> awesome. ahead, I, Joe. I give you the floor. Sure. So you talk about the story of uh, Ray Hudson going into the the high, the high schools or the elementary schools and, and sort of doing those demonstrations. The guy that told that story is the guy that's coming up next. So uh, okay, I'd like to introduce a man who didn't start with the fusion, but he damn sure finished with them. He got traded from, in his words, not mine, worst ever coach. Bora Militinovich, who coached the 1994 U.S. Uh, men's national team, uh, in case you're trying to connect those dots, got traded from worst coach ever to the Miami Fusion in 1999. He's perhaps most famous for his 2001 MLS All-Star Sports Bra goal celebration. He is the captain of all captains and a person who's still called captain by Ray Hudson and the man who believed in my idea enough to help it grow into what it is today. And he'll be co-hosting the live event with me next month, Mr. Jim Rooney. Yeah, how you doing, fellas? How's What's it going? going on, Jim? Oh, oh, no round are. of applause for him, Chris. Oh my god, I am so sorry. <laughs> oh my goodness, there it is. I totally Chris. blew it. Wow. You know it's you know it's funny. Gabe, Gabe just told the story about his uh do you guys hear me good? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, yeah, you. we hear okay. you good. It was listen, Gabe is a special guy. <laughs> you you gotta get to know Gabe and work with him. I mean, there was one time when we went into, um, uh, we had to go, I forget what it was called, Gabe, but where all 
all the networks were down. They, they all worked where you get interviews and they were all in one area in South Florida. And Gabe brought us there and he knocked on every single door. Broke up. He literally broke up shows. So you can't go in there. Oh, that's right. I will be right back. Knocking <laughs> on doors to try and get us all in there. Gabe yeah. is. Do uh, uh, you remember that, Gabe? I, I do remember that, and um, and 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 not only that, but I remember uh, what a joy it was when you joined the team uh, and were made captain. Because you know Jim Rooney was not your average player by any stretch of the imagination. He's a New York guy, so here is the new captain, a New York guy who's all about being New York. You know, he's he's tough. He's like one of those people that was a a handyman, a plumber, an electrician, and a soccer player all at once. I mean, that guy. And here I am, this like, you know, and so he's type A for sure, right? And here I am, the PR guy, you know, chubby Jewish guy from Miami Beach. <laughs> but, but you know, but Jim Jim was the leader that team needed, and he was like a brother. And I got to tell you, when you work in, in the sport over 25 years, uh, you meet um, a lot of amazing people, and you meet a lot of people who are not that nice, and Jim is one of the good ones. And now it's 25 years later, and I admire Jim today like I did the first day I met him. Jim, you don't work for the MLS. Are you allowed to say you're an Inter-Miami fan? Listen, I could say whatever I want. There we right go. That... Please tell us you're not an <laughs> NYCFC fan, though. No, 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 no. Because no, they're, they're not even building it in the Bronx. They're throwing it out there in Queens. Like, what are we doing over there? Yeah, that's not even – that's not even the real part, you know, it's for me, New, New York city, having it, yeah, I have to have the stadium and it, it was always difficult to get it there. You know, yeah. when, when you're from New York, you just know, you know, the city field Bronx with the Yankee stadium, there's not, there's not much room and yeah. where they, everybody complains. Every time we want to put up a stadium, they're complaining about traffic. It's New York. So you got to get it. You got to pay somebody under the, underneath, you know, under the behind table. to under get the it table. Done. Yeah. So, but no, it's for me, I mean, enter Miami, of course. I mean, this is, this is part of, um, you know, what we set out to do, you know, for, for like our level, our guys, for the most part, we did it because we wanted to play in the, the best competition we possibly can. And you know what, instead of taking buses, holy, hey, holy shit. Now, now we're taking planes. I'm, I'm for that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's as yeah. simple as that. That was the kind of thing, you know, and, so many players to see where it is now. I mean, it, I always say this, that players like us, and we don't complain about it. We had to chase the game. We really did. We had to help. We got We had to train on our own a lot. You know, so for example, in the off season myself, because we played together and uh, before MLS was me, Chris Armas. We had Giovanni Savarisi, Kevin Anderson, and we would all go down and meet in Long Island in, in the winter in the snow. And just to, you know, to push each other. And now to see what it is. I mean, Lockhart Stadium, from what it was, to see that now. I mean, it's a dream come true for me as a kid. And to see that, I mean, in some small way we had a part. You know, so did the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, like Bronco Segoda and Ray Hudson, all those guys. Um, it's just, we're a part of, we just feel we're a part of it. You know, we helped grow the game and not just us not just players guys like Gabe guys like Donna she was the mama she she made it all for us so it's it, it, it and you know obviously Chris Henderson is 
our boy up there, you know, anytime our teammates. And like I said, Gabe says, you know, a tremendous thing about me, but I got to tell you, Chris Henderson, if he doesn't like you, you're a bad guy. He's the <laughs> nicest. He is the nicest guy ever. You know, he's just one of those really good guys. And, I, you know, it's good to see what's going on now because obviously before Messi arrived, there were some issues, you know, and, you know, it's just so great to see they're back where, where, where they need to be. Obviously we'll uh, forget this. It's, it's sort of like what we did really. We just focused on the cup, you know, cause we were in it and we really pushed it in the next year we went. So I think that's what they have to do. Focus on oh, the cup, definitely. get those guys, the younger players, give them some time towards the end of the year and see who's, see who's capable, see who's really working. Cause I tell you what, if Messi's on the field, and all those other guys are on the field, Alba and everything. I want to fucking play too. So let's see, let's see how these young American kids work in the off season. And, and well, it's it's a really good test for them. It's awesome I love, to see. I love to hear that. Now, I, look at that, Jim. Look at that. I got the medal right. On my neck. What, yeah. What's that medal? That was the second place U.S. Open Cup. Oh, okay, okay. It was. It was. Yeah. I don't know if it was Jim or it was somebody, but they were so annoyed that they lost that as soon as they got it. They took they it off, it to and somebody handed it to me. And little well, did they know, it would be kind of the only medal the team ever won in its history. So I proudly display my second place U.S. Open Cup medal. For yeah. the record, we nice. should we should have a supporter shield somewhere in the stadium. I don't care if it was the Miami yep. Fusion. We should we should pay homage to that and make like a replica or something. Because I know they weren't giving shields back then. Like they, yeah, they, like that's the actual... whole thing. I don't remember. I don't remember back then that there was actual physical shield. Yeah, like... there, there wasn't. Yeah, and. But uh, they, that's, but they've got it carved in there now, so it's yeah, etched in the, yeah. Well, it's etched on the on the shield, so yeah. Oh, yeah, with all the 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 past winners. Okay, that's right. That's right. You now, seeing seeing uh, uh, Jimmy uh, just underscores that team in two thousand one, and in general, the the four years that the fusion were around, and the number of players who have moved on to make incredible impacts in the world of soccer. You think about um, Garth Lagerwey being the president at Atlanta. You think about Jim and his career coaching with the national team. You think about uh, Jay Heaps and what he did in New England. You think about Tyron Marshall and his coaching career. Um, Leo Cullen became an agent. Uh, it's really unbelievable. Chris Henderson. Chris Henderson, obviously, we talked about him with Miami. And the, line, and the list goes on and on. And, and that's what I think, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Jimmy, but that's what – Ray Hudson wanted. He wanted a group of leaders, people who were going to be leaders on the field, who were going to be fantastic at what they do. And, you know, once their playing days were over, they just continued on that path. And I would say that um, man for man, you take everyone who played for the Fusion in those four years and you put it against any other team's four years, and you will not see the same number of successful folks around the league or in the world of soccer. Right. And, and you know, for, for me, you know, you, you're right, Gabe. And there's a lot of with this, with this, um, I guess twenty uh, fifth, really talking and thinking about other players, it really got me to understand where other guys are. And you know, Kyle Beckerman, when he was with us, he was nineteen years old, right? And he was he hurt his knee, he tore it really bad, so he was around the thing, and he didn't play that much for us in terms of training towards the end of the year. But he lived with Nikki, Nikki and Laszlo. And guys like him, I just remember him as a 19-year-old kid. 
and you know they would protect him and all that kind of stuff. But we had a great young group of guys like so. With guys like that, I said Ray made me the captain. I said to Pablo right away. I said, "Listen, I go listen. They're they're going to come to you before they ever come to me." I said, and you know, because I'm at the time I was 30 years old. Kyle's 19. You know, it's it's totally different. So he, Pablo was the leader of the younger group because they, they all kind of came to him. And so if there was ever a problem, he would let me know, and then we would go from there. But there's so many leaders and. I just found out by looking at Kyle Beckerman. I mean, obviously the career he's had. Now, Kyle Beckerman is the head coach of a college team in, in Salt Lake. I mean, it's just to me, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, Kyle is just a smart player. Everybody has gotten into the game in some way or fashion. And, and I mean, it really is incredible. And it goes on. Wade Weber is coach at, um, at um, Seattle Sounders Tacoma team. Pablo Mastrani just talked about him. Two World Cups. Two yeah. World Cups. And by the way, few people know this, but when Pablo came out of NC State, he was a forward. And the reason yeah. he ended up being moved to defensive mid is because they need a young guy to run behind Valderrama because Valderrama wasn't exactly known as a you know hard-nosed defender. So they moved, the coaches at the time, Cacho and his assistants, moved uh, Pablo Mastrani to defensive mid to basically chase after Valderrama and right. that little move changed his life because he ended up playing two World Cups for the United States as a defensive mid. Uh, I know you guys were talking about all the leaders that came out of that team. Does anybody think it's a crime? I guess I'll ask Rooney because you said you could say anything, right? Uh, yeah. Is, is, is it a crime that Ray Hudson isn't calling games for Apple right now? Oh, I think that a yes. <laughs> I mean... Because I, mean, I, I mean, I feel like messy highlights are synonymous with Ray Hudson calls. Yeah, I mean, that would have been an incredible matching. But, you know, yes, as 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 a fan, as an, as a person, and, but there's a lot, like, I don't a even know. A lot that goes into that, I imagine. Yeah, and I don't even know, honestly, with with Ray, you know, w what's going on. I mean, Ray, would he just likes to watch him play. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's his favorite player. But, right. again, yeah, we would all love to hear that. But, you know, there's uh, – you know, you can't, like Gabe even said, we could complain about God, Don Garber. And Don Garber, you know, is I, honestly, from my point of view, um, and, I'll, and I'll actually tell you a quick little story about Don Garber. We, I, when I, after the fusion, I went to New England Revolution. And after that, in our contracts, when you leave the team, you know, that they pay for you to move up and they pay for you to move back, mm -hmm. right? So after I left, after the first year, my daughter was going to school in, in Florida. So I, I retired and I was coming back and New England never paid. They forgot that side of it. So I was like, oh, I'll let it go. You know. So finally, uh, my wife had called Don Garber's office, MLS. And I was like, what is going on? And so sure enough, on Friday night, we get a phone call late at night from Don Garber. And he says, he, he said, listen, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding. Um, I really probably, but, and he fixed it. And next thing we, we got the check. Now, Don Garver is actually taking calls of every, every, from everybody like that. I mean, to That's me, that was, I knew right then That's and there, stand up. this, 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 this guy's the right guy. I mean, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the league and he still had the, and by the way, what it was like three grand something like that 
I mean, just those little things. He knows how to do things. And it doesn't – like Gabe is 100% right. And he's worked and seen a lot more than me. But just the little things he took care of. And you That's see it now. That's a stand-up guy. Stand-up yeah. character. Absolutely. Do you guys win the – the the cup the following season if you guys don't fold the team or if the fold, team doesn't get folded, well, absolutely. I I agree. I absolutely. agree. I, 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 I mean, you guys lost agree. it to 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 babyface Donovan, but you yeah. guys you guys should have won it. Troy yeah, Dyack, well. I'll never forget that name. I was sitting in the stands, <laughs> and that guy hits a header, and the whole franchise is kaput. And I'm like that yeah. guy. You know, I got to meet him one time, and I told him, hey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For for those, because there's a lot of people here listening that aren't familiar with, especially the, the history of, of South Florida soccer, Miami Fusion, uh, I, I know Joe alluded to earlier, uh, we had a team for four years down here, MLS. They won the Supporter Shield, which basically says you had the best record before the playoffs in the regular season, and uh, but you do have a playoff after that. They didn't end up winning the Cup. They got eliminated. But, um, yeah, I, I think that that team was good enough to, to win a, a couple trophies. Um, and unfortunately, like you said, you have the only second place medal there. Um, so I, I did want to ask you guys, and I'll start with Joe since Joe's been sitting quietly. Chances that Inter Miami win the treble this year because I know where we were coming from. We were on an 11 game winless streak before League's Cup. All of a sudden, things change. Do you think that there's a chance that we win the treble this year? So before before I give the prediction, I'll give that real quick. But I want to say, if you've enjoyed these stories, right, this is a preview of what you can expect sure. at the live event, the Miami Fusion reunion, right? People that know, if you know, you know, it's like tutor in 2.0 is what we're doing, right? So kind of everybody pull up a chair, pull up a glass. We're going to tell some stories. Uh, so October, Friday, October 6th, Mickey Byron's Irish Pub in Hollywood, Florida, 8 to 9.30 p.m. is the official programming. Uh, so I'll kick it off. Jim will share some stories and then we'll rotate folks like Gabe and others that are there to share their stories. And we'll, uh, we'll also record it and put it up on the feed afterwards. And then after that, we're just hanging out until they kick us out. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. Um, but yeah, so and like Gabe's like, going to open up. Yeah. Right. And then we're going to, um, uh, if you like, we're going to find out if he's expecting robots, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, depending on how late, uh, things yeah. stay, right. You never know. But, um, so miamifusionpod.com, you can find, uh, the best way to listen on your platform of choice and please share because stories like this, like the stories that you've heard tonight are the stories that deserve to be preserved as MLS continues to grow. We want to appreciate the growth and be excited about seeing guys like Messi and maybe the Copa Libertadores, right. And in, in the club world cup and others, uh, and appreciating guys like Drake calendar and Ben Cremashi or Alan Velasco who got caught up in Messi's orbit and then got called up the Argentinian national team as a direct result of that. Right. I'm Dallas yep. boys. So I always got to throw in a Dallas reference. Um, but so these types of stories about what happened 25 years ago deserve to be preserved and appreciated as we continue to appreciate what's happening in real time. So uh, my predictions, bringing it all back around. Um, so obviously uh, the Toronto game, uh, I mean, I think it's going to be like a four nothing. And I think that's yeah. only because people kind of, ease off the gas at the end i don't think toronto is going to see anything open up i said before i've been uh laminated I, i've been on the show where i said this before i said i think miami is going to win either the league's cup or the open cup i don't think they're going to win both so they won the league's cup i hate to say it because i think momentum is huge but I you hate houston i do hate houston i don't want houston to win i want come houston on, to get joe, come on joe i know i know but i do think the houston's open playing cup, well joe houston's been I, houston's on a run they are at I home. I don't want to underestimate Acho Acho, right? I mean, 
come on. Like it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be gritty. And I think, I think uh, Houston's going to take the open cup, but I do think Miami is going to use that as fuel to surge into the playoffs and make a deep run. And I wouldn't be surprised yes. if they ended up winning MLS cup at the end. But I think at a certain point, your momentum, like it's hard to get up for the next game. And so I think, especially high stakes game, right? So high stakes fatigue. So that's where I think if they, if they get the open cup, I don't see them going far in, in MLS cup, but I do see them going far in MLS cup. I could see them winning it. So I'll say double for me, but no trouble. Okay. So, but you okay, do think they'll make the playoffs fair. because I've been caught in playoffs since June. And everybody yes. thought I was crazy, but I I I think it's happening. I really do. Uh, uh, Gabe, I know you, you you can't give us a prediction for Toronto, but do you think it's possible that they win the treble? Anything's possible. It's possible that you know an asteroid is going to hit me right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, right. it's, it's, so, <laughs> well, we we got we, we got to get him on October sixth when the you cameras are off. <laughs> the great part about working for the league is that I have the luxury of being neutral. I don't have to pick anything. I don't have to make any predictions. I, all I got to do is enjoy the ride. So I got my tickets for the U.S. Open Cup, which um, is run by U.S. soccer folks. So I'm looking forward to uh, going to that game and seeing if, if Miami can do. But I got to say, this game on Wednesday, it is key. I think if Miami can't get a result on Wednesday, it's going to be a near impossible uphill battle. Um, on the other hand, if they do win a second trophy, that's not bad work for, you know, 90 days or two months here um, since Messi showed up. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I always root for the same thing. I root for uh, sold out uh, stadiums and high rates And fun games. That's what I root for. Yes. Yeah, fun games. Yeah, that's Chris, Chris we'll, we'll get them on October 6th, Chris. We'll get them on October 6th. Yeah, we'll get them. Cameras yeah, off. It could be off. good. could be bad. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, thank you, Gabe. Uh, well, let's ask the expert, Jim. Jim. Jim's the expert. Yeah, Jim. What do you think? Yeah, Jim. Treble, yes or no? Who's going to 86th? No chance. No chance. Treble. No strong. I I'll know. What, no, no strong. I will tell you why. Because you have okay. to focus. They have a chance at the two cups. I mean, the okay. league is the league is is very – I mean, they're going to put so much energy into the league fighting to get there. I, where they have ability to get it already from Leaks Cup. I don't think they're going to put too much energy towards the league. Here's if they the get a couple, if they, yeah, if they get a couple of games and they get, and it goes on and stuff, possibly they'll go about that. But I think they're going to focus on the cups because they're going to bring it. And like, like I said, that's a lot of games to play. Mm -hmm. And listen, if Messi's playing, yeah, I'll give you. I'll definitely say it. If Messi's playing, yeah. But if, like you say, it's difficult. You see, going to Atlanta five-two, you know, it's just, it's just that. I, I got to tell you, people have asked me about Messi. I don't think I'd want to play against him. Why would I want to play against Messi? That's bad news. I mean, everybody make, bad news. Like everybody says, oh, we must be great. I'd be like, no, I got to tell you, I wouldn't want to play against him now at this age. I go look at him. He's making everybody look like. Fools. I said, what do I want to be? I, I don't want to be, what do you guys call those? A meme. I don't want to be a meme. <laughs> I mean, like the two Charlotte players when they ran into each other. Did you see that? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, them, yeah. it's like look at yeah. Marco, Marco Echeverry was bad enough. He'd shake his shoulder like that and he'd send you. Never. I, I can't even imagine playing against Messi. And God forbid the way I played, I, you know, I had to hit people a little bit more. And like, it, it's almost like. You were just a little aggressive. 
Yeah, but I'm saying to myself, geez, I don't want to be the guy that hurts Messi. And you know, it's 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 tough to play against guys like that. Never mind the referees, just everything. I mean, it's well, I will, I will tell you that difficult. If you didn't want to hit Messi, you could hit Busquets without a problem because he doesn't seem to get any calls. So just beat up on Busquets because Messi's because he's not he's just a punching bag apparently. Listen, Sorry, you could Gabe. try and, you could try and hit Messi. You can't get near him. I'm telling you. No, no. People say, why don't you do? When you play against a top, top player, okay, they do a shoulder thing. And I tell you, like, I played against Donna Doni. I don't know if you guys remember Donna Doni. He was one of the European stars. When he had the ball at his feet, I didn't even know where it was. You couldn't see it. <laughs> He'd give you a face, and you're just like, where the hell? And next thing you know, it's gone. I mean, and, and it's so simple what they do. And that's what yeah. I'm saying. And, and, you know, playing against Messi now added up. Donna Doni now Messi? I mean, Jesus, you know, I don't know. I, it would be fun, but it wouldn't be fun. I'm telling you. It's yeah. tough. Uh, well, <laughs> okay, well, can I ask you, after the final whistle goes off, you lose 4-0, to zero, are you walking over and asking for his autograph? Not Jim, uh, I, no way. Not Jimmy. You know, I, just, I think I that I think that the I reputation would, I, of older players is a little different na- than, than players nowadays. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm what. wrong, Jim, but tell you why as a player when you're going there can you imagine just how many people contact you give me your jersey after the game give me your jersey after the game can you give me your jersey like the you know just everybody and you know why would i take it away from a fan he might want to throw it into the fan i just wouldn't yeah. like most most players wouldn't put like for example i've never asked for christian Pulisic's jersey ever i would never put any players and you know obviously i'm great friends with his dad, like grew up together and stuff. I would never do that because you don't put those, when you're a player, you don't put them in that kind of position. We all kind of understand, but Messi's a different level. I just would never ask. Would I like to have it? Absolutely. But I just wouldn't ask him for that reason. Well, and even less when you're losing. Oh, I mean, I guess that game Uh, with Nashville, he didn't lose. It was a draw, but Mukhtar came up to him to ask for it and he wasn't having it, so. Yeah, uh, it, it's, well, it's an awkward it situation. Party, right? No, that was that was when they won the title. He was in a good mood oh, when they right. drew. Right. When they time. drew, he said he pushed them away, and I felt really bad for Mukhtar because I was listening to Dax uh, McCarty talk about it, and they had agreed Dax would ask for it in the final, and that because they played again a week or a week or so later, that Mukhtar said that he would ask for it then, and well, he wasn't in the best of moods after that one. He didn't get well. I don't know if he gave it to him afterwards, but on the pitch, he didn't give it to him. So. Yeah, that, and that it would have been, and it, w- it would have been a little embarrassing if all of a sudden then I asked for his shirt and he doesn't ask for mine. I'd be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, Dave. After a game, I probably would be pissed. Right. Yeah. You know, back in '98, I don't know, Jim. I don't know if this was the case when you retired, but at some point, you only had a limited run of jerseys that you got. So if you gave your jersey away, you had to pay for it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Like when we had absolutely no way Messi's paying for a jersey. No, no. So this is A lot of things have changed, you know. Now yeah. it's quite yeah. commercial on Southwest. Now they got charters, thank God. But you know, oh, even yeah. in Beckham's days, it was still uh commercial, and um, you know, Beckham would go through the airport like everybody else. So a lot yeah. has changed. Even you know, like I was saying before, some changes took 25 years, some changes are literally overnight. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the one of the toughest jobs in MLS was equipment manager, and like a guy like Marcus, 
you know, and we would mess with them like his 10 jerseys. You'd have to say, so we would take, I would hide things on it. You know, you'd hide things on, I'm going to, can we have a Jersey? And he go, no, no. And all this. And then we, we'd steal it on him and take it. I said, we're asking you, please, we're going to take it if you don't give it to us. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. We just had a lot of fun, but it was tight, right, Gabe? Like, you know, you mm-hmm. take those jerseys. Except when I was at the Metro Stars, they had a bit more money, and they gave us 10 away and 10 home jerseys where you could pass them out to your families and all that kind of stuff. But, you know. Well, it's, it, were you playing on the Metro Stars in 96? Because yeah. I remember I, I went to – okay, because I went to a few 96 Metro Stars games because I, I was living in New York back then. and Okay. I, yeah, I, no, I, 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 the first two years I didn't play MLS because – it was, I was working, it was, you know, it, they weren't paying enough money. I was at the, I was at a certain age where I was already married. And, you know, a lot of those guys had to be financially set to real, or their parents had to be financially set. I wasn't in that position, you know, the year I played there, I actually, my, my, uh, I, my daughter was being, you know, she was pregnant. My wife was pregnant. So with my oh, first man. daughter, so I couldn't, I couldn't do all that. Well, I'm going to transition that real quick. I know we're going to be closing it out soon. Uh, where you said how far we've come because they weren't even paying a lot back then. We're mm-hmm. about oh, a little over 25 years into the, the, the league's history. Do you guys see, because I've been saying in the next 10 years, MLS will be a top six, seven league in the world. Because of Apple TV, because of the exposure now with Messi here, I, I truly believe in the next 10 years we'll move up there. Am I alone on that thought process here in this little panel we got going? I, I would, Daniel. Dan, I, I would argue. I would argue um, that if you look at certain parameters, the league's already there because you can't. You know, first of all, you know, you're talking about strictly what happens within the rectangle. But when you have to measure the success of a league, you got to measure attendance, which MLS has been in the past decade. We've been top ten of professional soccer leagues around the world. I believe right now we're number seven. Uh, we average almost 22,000. It's going to go way up this year because of Messi. You got to talk about financial stability, number of sponsors. So when you talk about great leagues, you know, you have to talk about it as a whole. So I would say that that in many areas, uh, MLS is already the league that others strive to be. And I would say that in areas when, where we're um, – and there's other areas that – we're going to get there eventually. So the answer is absolutely, no question about it. And I think that Messi's arrival shows that nothing is impossible for Major League Soccer. Nothing. When, when, when Messi comes and he's joined by Jordi Alba and he's joined by Busquets, where's the limit now? Where's where's the limit? You know, And don't forget that because of the single entity uh, system that we have, any rule in the league can be changed by a vote. So what happens if they decide, yeah, we're going to go to four DPs or we're going to go to 10 DPs or we're going to get rid of it. Now we're financially strong enough to do that. Who knows? So you heard it here first. Gabe said we're going to 10 DPs next year. No, he didn't say that. (laughs) He said, what if? The the point is that that things can happen. So I have no doubt about it that, that, you know, even in, in five to 10 years, it's going to exceed whatever dreams I have because there's things happening now that I wouldn't have imagined. 10 years ago, like, like, uh, uh, like a trio like that coming and, and, and some of the other things are happening with the league. Not, not only that, you know, it, it used to be unheard of that we'd have 70,000 at a game, for example. Yeah. The other day we played at Atlanta, there were over 70,000 people and nobody batted an eye. Like it happens all the time. And it does happen for Atlanta all the time. You know, this year we broke the record at the Rose Bowl. We had 85,000 just about for, for the, 
Think think about 10 years back saying, eh, we broke the record, 85,000. And two weeks later, we have 70,000. And, you know, nobody noticed. It's, well, it's and, just, yeah. Well, financially and viewership-wise and everything, especially with Apple TV, I agree that we're going to get there just based off of those numbers sooner than 10 years if we're not there already, like you said. But in 10 years, I think on the pitch, it's also going to be considered top six or seven in the world. And, for example, I had a lot of people talking to me and saying, and I understand the League's Cup with everybody playing in the MLS. That's fine. I get it. But I'm sorry. MLS dominated that, that, that tournament. I get it that they were playing all the games here in the United States. But I'm sorry if you get the English Premier League to play all those games here in the MLS. They probably dominate the MLS because they are superior. We dominated Liga MX. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Maybe the top two or three teams can compete in the MLS. But for the most part, those lower... 10 and, and I mean, I, I don't want to hear. Uh, I, I think that we are, are there. I think we're above Liga MX already. And uh, that's my opinion. And I know Tank right here was saying that we need relegation. I disagree. I don't see how uh, that benefits this also. league. And because right now, remember, we're a young league. In the, in the English Premier League, everybody's accustomed to the top six teams fighting for everything. We're a league of parody. That's how we like it here. So I appreciate the parody. But when you have parody, Relegation uh, seems kind of counterproductive. The reason you do it over there is because, well, that's the only thing that those lower teams have to fight for because they'll never be up there in the conversation with Man City and, and well, Manchester United isn't that great right now, and, and Liverpool and all those because those are the teams that fight for everything, for the chip. Yeah. And then you got the lower teams that fight to just stay above. Here yeah, we and have Joe, a league of Joe parity. makes a great point. Sorry, Joe makes a great point on the chat. He reminded us all that the 2026 World Cup is going to have a huge effect on this league. 100%. But it's not just that. Look, look what's happening. Next year, Copa America. The year after that, we got Club World Cup and CONCACAF Gold Cup again. After that, the World Cup. After that, possibly the Women's, the World, Women's Cup. World Cup. And yeah. after that, the Olympics, which, by the way, if you remember from Atlanta, the mm. Olympics are not just played in soccer Olympics, not just played in one city. It's played around the country. So we're going to have yes. an unprecedented five years for American soccer and who knows where we'll land after that. Um, and I can't wait to see, but you know what, when it comes to competitive, I, I would love to hear Jim's opinion because obviously Jim is a guy that plays it and coaches it. And, and he, he has that perspective that, you know, we all kind of wish we had. I mean, well, for the, for the most part, it's, it's a tough one. Like, like you, you guys have all said, the league has come so far, and everything. Yeah. One of one one of the things that, like I, you know, it's great. You get Messi, you get Busquets, you get Alba. See that'll slow down a little bit for for the sake of now. I'm talking strictly as a player. Okay, going through. I I'm always worried about the younger players getting an opportunity because that's what this is about. Okay, this league was built tomorrow to make our national team better for the most part and make most. Mm -hmm. Americans better and then better players and you've seen how well it's done. We've we have look at Tyler Adams in Europe. Okay. All these players, Christian. You know, you also get like Christians at Chelsea, can't get a game, right? Goes there and he goes down to AC Milan. He's 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 playing great. It's just opportunities. Yeah. Everywhere we there's different there's a even in England, okay, there's a there's a different perception for players where they're from, where they're going. And they're going to give European guys better on America. So for me, I would rather the younger guys stay in this country a little bit longer seasoned, like uh, 
like you said, Messi's playing, guys like that don't have too many, too many older players. But it seems to me that Messi is really taking a liking to the younger players and really caring about the development of the players, which in fairness, Carlos Valderrama had, had no, no, that's the one thing that he did not do, you know, and it was a different time and he was a great player, but Messi, that's what we need. American players need to believe I'm sitting next to Messi. Maybe I can play at that high level and he'll tell them. At certain Stick around points. for a couple. Yeah. He'll just say, Hey, listen, you and believe me, if Messi is looking at you wrong, you're doing something wrong. I mean, it's a big deal. Now, never mind Busquets, all these For other sure. guys. We need these mentors in our locker rooms, and and that's why I like them. But if we have six of them at the expense of four of our players, our younger players, that would bother me. You know, that's yeah. the way I look at the game. I'm not looking at dollars and cents, right? But for the most part, I think if we do take care of that, we will be of the top clean. I don't know if 10 years, 10 years could happen. Like, like you said, World Cups are coming. So many people, everybody wants to come and play here. And Messi, like you say, he, he opened a lot of people's eyes coming here and they see the stadiums. Well, let me tell you something. We watch Premier Leagues, right? And their stadiums are greater. Championship level teams, all their facilities, not good. They're not good, not even close to what even our college players are used to. Well, you know, even Lutton Town. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just all that. So, like I said, in Argentina, we, we have all these Argentinians coming into the MLS. You know, eventually, we're just going to get so much better. South American players, like I said, everything. And now we're getting European influx. I mean, it took a lot of a long time. But, man, I tell you what, it's going to be freaking cooking. I'm telling you, this is going to be the place to be. Like I said, because you know what? If they, this is a country that definitely honors your contract. You're not looking yeah. to get. That makes that, that's a him. big difference. A lot. You ask players sometimes, and you're like, "Why'd you pick MLS?" And they're like, "Because I know I'm getting a check every two weeks, which doesn't yeah. happen everywhere." Yeah, right. you know, and it's it's things you don't even think about like that. Well, that's what Dixon and, Arroyo, our our, yeah. our center defensive midfielder, he had an issue getting paid over there in was it Ecuador, yeah. so that's why he came over here. Yeah, and now you're looking about, now we get our, listen, from my experience, a lot of the foreign, it doesn't matter what country they're from, they they all say they like to get their kids into the school to educate and learn a different language, English. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle choice for a lot of people too. It's not just, you know, uh, you know, they don't think about it. People, people have plans. You know, never, they, under, never, never underestimate the power of the American dream. Yeah, yeah, and it's still and, there, very much so. And it's insane how the growth has happened. I mean, here we are in 2023, have Messi with Inter Miami, but listen, it all starts from somewhere, right, Joe? That's and right. so I, I want you to be able to sort of kind of let everybody know where they can be able to find out where it sort of started and then let everybody know where we can be able to find some of your stuff. That's right. So 25 for 25, just to recap it, the story of the Miami Fusion uh, from those who lived it. Uh, two of those uh, guys that lived it are on this uh, this episode right here, Jim Rooney and Gabe Gabor. And uh, it's an oral history of MLS's first ever club in Miami, the Fusion that existed from 98 to 2001. And we do tell the the uh, the good, the bad, and the unbelievable stories of the Miami Fusion. And so if you want to hear a little bit more and maybe uh, you know get the, get the good times flowing, you can head on down to Mickey's 
Mickey Byron's Irish Pub in Hollywood, Florida on Friday, October 6th from 8 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I know the Eventbrite link was dropped uh, in the chat before, but if you go to at Miami Fusion Pod on Instagram, uh, I've got the link in the bio. Check it out. That just helps us uh, get a better idea of numbers. Um, and if you want to subscribe to the show and listen to all the back episodes and also hear what's coming up, you can go to MiamiFusionPod.com. And uh, I'm not done. So uh, one thing about me is I love doing uh, uh, retro uh, soccer shows and preserving the legacy of this league that I fell in love with first before any other professional sports league. Um, and so uh, you never know what might be around the corner. So uh, check it out. And I appreciate you all. And I, I appreciate more than anything. Everybody that uh, has sort of come out of the woodwork to say, you want to talk about what club you want to say, what, who, why, why? Oh, okay. And then you get people talking and you get people. Um, uh, I'll tell a story. I was, uh, I was recording with, we talked about Chris Henderson earlier. I was recording with him and uh, we got done recording and he was telling me, he was like, you know, I didn't quite feel too well uh, at the, the beginning of the day. You know, I didn't ask why. And, and he was like, but the more we got recording, the more I got excited and the more I started uh, reminiscing. And I was like, it's nostalgia. And he like chuckled. And I was like, but for real, it's the nostalgia effect, right? You're going back to a place in your memory that was so uh, exciting and so wondrous and such full of important uh, sense memories that, that you, it, it physically makes you feel better. And that's the type of uh, reaction I've seen from literally everybody I've recorded with. And it's uh, it's a joyous thing. So yeah, if you want to see more of that, like I said, you never know who's going to show up uh, Mickey Byron's Irish club. These two guys are going to be there. Uh, this guy's also going to be there. These two guys, over there. I don't know how people are watching it, but I pointed to Rooney and Gabe, yeah, 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 pointed yeah, yeah. myself, pointed to Daniel and Chris, right? We're all um, going. We're all going. We're all going to be there. So you should come check it out. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, again, uh, I'll, I'll let Chris uh, lead us out. Oh, Chris. Well, well, I mean, do you want me to get to it before? Uh, Rooney, do you? Yes. Go, go is, there anywhere, is there anywhere that, that anybody could be able to kind of find your stuff? Anything that you sort of want to plug Rooney in? Rooney says he doesn't He doesn't have a filter. He's not Gabe. He can say whatever he wants. So go ahead and find Rooney. No, nowhere to find On October 6th, you can find where. him. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I don't t- listen. I don't do Twitter. I don't do all. You that shouldn't. Stuff. It's a cesspool. It's you know whatever it is. You know, I, Facebook is my max. We, we got to put. We we, we got to relax a little bit with that. I can't. I can't cope with that. And my daughters told me that you're not allowed on Instagram, and I'm not friending <laughs> you. So I I don't. I stayed away from that for like 20 years. So now, listen, you you I, you remind you remind me a lot of my father. So like. I totally get that. My father yeah. looks at me. He's like, what are you doing on this Facebook stuff and this Instagram stuff? And I'm like, come on. Come on, yeah, Bob. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm old school when it comes to that. You know, you, you yeah. want to you you reach me, give me a call. <laughs> and leave me a voicemail. Right. Yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah, I won't pick up first. I won't pick up. <laughs> He'll call you back. He'll call you back. Yeah, if you want to get some Rooney stories, you got to come on down to Mickey Byron's in Hollywood, Florida. One night only, right? An hour and a half. Uh, You can ask him just about anything you want. All right. Well, I I, I can't let you guys. I can't let you guys go. I'm going to put myself here in the middle, Danny. I can't let you guys go because we ask all of our guests these questions. It might be a little zoony. And you guys already had a preview of this. Joe, I don't want you to answer this because you already answered this one. So Gabe and Jim, you got to pick one of the. So we'll start off with Jim. What steak and what toast are you picking here? And the Again, chat will judge you. I yes. am picking. I am picking three. There we go. And five. Oh Ooh. wow! Ooh. Okay, you're close. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Well, I mean, he was a very aggressive player. I could see that. All right. <laughs> what about you, Gabe? Where, where are we going with this? 
You know what I'm going to say. I got to go right down the oh, middle. Three and there three. There we go. That's my guy. Okay. That's my guy. Straight down <laughs> the middle. You got to go three and three, just like my predictions. I'm like, I'm like Switzerland, right down the middle. And, <laughs> and then speaking speaking of down the middle, which is my favorite cut of this sandwich, right? Now, which side are you going with? Are you going with the diagonal cut or you're going with the right down the middle from north to south, Gabe? Whoever doesn't say diagonal can unfriend me right now. There right, is no Exactly. There, there. Oh, well, let me, let me see no what Jim does before cut. I start. <laughs> For some reason, if you take a sandwich, you cut it down the middle, like the one on the right, it just looks average. But you give it that little touch, that angle, and now you got like a French pastry sort of sandwich. So <laughs> let me yeah. tell you something. Let me tell you something. I grew up in a deli, okay, in New York. My whole high school thing, this – cutting stuff first of all we had round rolls you know what they are but oh yeah like listen the, the angle reminds me if i'm going to visit my my buddy's house and their mother cuts it like that i do it straight up the middle yeah what? look at yeah. that let's straight go up the middle. That's like a, a reuben too, yeah that's a little too fancy on the angle there i don't understand what it was gabe is that a five Jewish star thing? sandwiches Actually, actually, when you go to Jewish deli, they cut it right down the middle. They don't do the angle thing. Uh, Thank you. I was going to say. Yeah, it's like a Reuben. Yeah, a Reuben I've seen cut right down the middle. I'm going to get a call from a rabbi now. (laughs) (laughs) So last but not least, last but not least, Joe, which one are you going with, Joe? Oh, that's right. Joe never answered that question. I got to I got to go diagonal. There's just something about it. It gets me excited if I get a diagonal sandwich. Right. But uh, in Texas, we like the simple things. Right. You know, we like to take it easy and we like to eat diagonal sandwiches. That's about it. Chris randomly brought up that question. And I was like, how is this even a question? I have never heard of anybody going north to south. I thought that everybody just went diagonal just because. So that was out of your mind, Danny. You're out of your mind. All right. Um. Thank you guys, all of you guys, for joining us. We really appreciate you guys joining us on episode 100. Thank you for everybody listening. If you're listening on audio, thank you for listening all the way to the end. Please leave a five-star review, comment, share, all that other good stuff. And if you're watching on YouTube, thank you for watching all the way to the end. Please like and subscribe. And as always, if you were part of the chat, you are always the best part of the show. We appreciate you taking the time to join us live. And to Jim Rooney, Gabe Garber, and uh, Joe Shaw, as always, thank you guys. Chris, I hate you. And we will see you guys on October 6th at, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I blanked, Joe. Where was it? October Yeah, 6th. yeah. So Jim Rooney, Gabe Gabor, Joe Shaw, Daniel Granada, Chris, I always forget your last name, but Chris, Chris. It's not important. Durad. Yeah, there it is. Uh, right. Are going to see you at Mickey Byron's Irish Pub in Hollywood, Mickey Florida Byron's, on Friday, go. October 6th from 8 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern. All right. And we'll, we'll see you guys then. And if you are list, uh, normal, uh, battered hair on listen we will be back on wednesday after the toronto fc game to give you a post game recap right after well an hour after right because we're going to be at the game so yeah we get home we'll jump on so join us on wednesday after the game and until the next one have a good one thank you guys